to another episode of Keep the Kayfabe. I'm Mike, sitting here with my boys, ready to talk some wrestling. It is episode 94, and we're in the thick of summer, and we've just gotten through Death Before Dishonor, a great, great pay-per-view, but I mean, we're a little late here just because summer is happening, but I'm kind of glad we are because, as you probably all know by now, if you're listening to the show, you know that Vince McMahon has resigned from the WWE, and we have all the details and the scoop on that. It's a, it's something that I never thought I would see, but we are living in it. And we saw an amazing AEW Dynamite last night with some new gold that is up for grabs. What does that mean for the landscape of the company who might be coming back to contend for it? I can't wait to talk with the boys. We'll get down to some great matches and results. So let's introduce who we're talking with tonight over in Glendale, somebody who keeps it regal, Steve Grobschmidt. What up, Grobby? Your time is up. My time is now. You can't see me. My time is now. It's the franchise, boy, I'm shining now. You can't see me. My time is now. An interpretive reading by Steve Grobschmidt. (laughs) William Shatner inspired. Yeah, he's done that one, I think. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Actually, I think I did that one before, but who's counting? You did, and it's so weird because, I don't know, I might have heard Cena's music for some, I don't know, I've just been putting random shit on, and um, yeah, his music came on, and I just thought back to when you did that. I still think that would be such a fun episode if we kind of like tried to you know how we like to play games on the show here if we read maybe classic promos or lyrics to intro music if we read them interpretively or poetically yeah and we tried to guess challenge yeah that'd be hilarious it'd be super fun maybe well, get pretty drunk I, i'd be happy to lend my shatnerian voice to that oh that'd be so fun yeah, oh, yeah. And maybe and, and maybe we have to do it like we we put like a bunch of accents in a hat and we have <laughs> like say it's Australian or Irish or whatever and you have to read the promo in that accent to take it just a step further since we're all such you know awesome impersonators on this show. <laughs> right on. We'll see. Yeah, we're we're uh, getting closer to you know our hundredth episode, so we might want to play a little game leading up to it to take the edge off because we gotta we gotta do something big. I yeah, got some yeah. ideas up my sleeve too. So oh. for our listeners out there, we have a doozy coming up. So keep listening leading up to episode one hundred. You'll That's right. be glad you did. Speaking of listeners, a little shout out to my nephew Andrew. He's uh, now a regular listener of the show, which is awesome. Um, and he's got the good quality of watching AEW wrestling. So. Uh, he was a uh, he's a big fan of the hardcore matches, particularly the one that uh, what was the pay per view or that what was that the um, Jericho blood and guts. Oh my god, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. which admittedly was just an outstanding match. Yeah, it really was. Awesome. Well, thanks Andrew for listening. Make sure you leave us a five star comment and send <laughs> us your promo of the week too. Even if you want to get more involved, it'll be a lot of fun. So appreciate that. 
Someone who also loves hardcore matches, Mr. Matt Michelson. Are you keeping it freshly squeezed tonight, Matt, or what? Always, and I want to tell our listeners, welcome to Monday Night Resignation. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, well, I mean, let's just get right into it. This is something, like I said, I thought I would never see. I thought the old man, as he's referred to, by the boys in the business, Vince McMahon resigns from his position as CEO of the company. I thought he would be in his grave before they would pry that company away from his cold, dead hands. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people know the details uh, by now. Maybe you don't. But uh, Matt Michelson and Steve are going to get us uh, more cued in on the timeline of how this all transpired and why Vince... Uh, is no longer CEO of WWE. So, boys, 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 what is up with Vince McMahon? Well, Mike, 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 I'm so glad you asked. Um, so there's a handful of things that have come out in mainstream media recently, which I think is really why we're seeing Vince retire at this moment. Um, so there's been a handful of things. I'll just quickly mention what they are and the timing of each. So I want to say it was about a month ago, uh, the Wall Street Journal released the first news story in this series of stories that's now come out. Um, the first story, I forget the name of the individual who was involved, but essentially a female employee of the WWE, probably 20 years ago, somewhere in that realm, uh, was paid $3 million, was reported by Vince McMahon as hush money. Um, now you start to think, well, what's hush money? It, it sounds to me like they were having some sort of an affair. At least that's the picture the article painted. And Steve, I'll let you fill in the gaps here in just a minute. But that was the first story in this whole sequence. From there, we hear another story come out maybe a week or week later or so. That number goes from one woman to four. Hmm. And the number goes from three million to 12 million. And this is all over the course of, let's say, 20 years. So it's not just a one-time thing. It's a pattern of things. At the time, we had kind of joked about how if you watched Monday Night Raw in the Attitude Era, like, why are you surprised by any of this? But, of course, you mm -hmm. know, mainstream media doesn't pay attention to pro wrestling storylines because why would they? So, um, so that was the second piece of information that came out. I think it was also around that time we saw Vince step back as CEO of WWE and assume more of an on-screen role. And he starts going on SmackDown and Monday Night Raw, welcoming the fans, just doing these really strange, awkward intros of the show, like real short, but some, they were so hyped. And, you know, you, you could speculate all day, and we will, about why he did that, but regardless, this all happens. Then we find out, uh, I believe it was last week sometime, that... Um, the number instead of $12 million was a little bit closer to 14 million. Not only that, it was WWE's money, like not Vince McMahon's personal money, but the company's money that was being used to pay these women to keep quiet about all this. So right when that piece of news drops, we see Vince McMahon post a tweet that says, I'm 77. I've had a good life. Time to retire. Thank you. Um, <laughs> and you have to believe that those two events are correlated with each other right now. We're going to talk a little bit more about this, but there's speculation that there's still more stories coming. Um, so as far as what's happened, though, that's pretty much the events looking backwards. So I'm going to pause there. I'll turn it over to Steve. He can fill in the gaps. And if there's any speculation to be had, I want to hear about it from him. Yeah, you know, I don't I mean, you covered it really well. I think, um, 
you know, one of the big questions people are banding about on uh, social media is like, well, Vince is still in charge. He's still got all this, you know, his majority stocks. He's still, you know, the founder or like, you know, the founder of the current era. But yeah, when you paint kind of all the things you painted and seem to be out there, I think, this, I don't know, this seems pretty legit. It's like, yeah, he's all those things, but this is like a publicly traded company. And then shit comes out like, like money that they announced in their annual updates is like, not, and it's not quite accurate. I mean, those are the things that like people don't survive. You know what I mean? Like you can't, when you're a publicly traded company, you can't sweep all that stuff under the carpet. So right. I don't know. It feels like it's legit. And I think, yeah, there's, if there's more stuff coming and you, you know, you get, you throw like if, if there's more meat to that story on the, the rape and all that, I mean, he's, he's gotta be done. I'd think. Yeah, I um, would have to imagine. Um, and so I'm really glad you mentioned that though, Steve, because there's two other things here uh, looking forward. So, Ever since Vince stepped away, we've seen Stephanie McMahon and Nick Khan fill the role of co-CEO of WWE. And Steve, you also just mentioned that Vince does have majority shareholdership of WWE. So with Stephanie at the helm and Vince still having majority ownership, you got to believe the guy's still in control, really. Um, at the same time, though, we saw a Triple H recently take the role of head of creative for WWE. So you have this changing of the guard where Bruce Pritchard is the guy in creative, but now Triple H is the guy. Um, and there's been a lot of reports lately that he's looking to make, quote, a big splash at SummerSlam from a SummerSlam, creative yep. perspective. So I'm really curious to see what that looks like. I mean, quite frankly, just as a fan of pro wrestling, it would be really nice to see a slight change for the better in terms of creative. I think... If that were to happen, I think a lot of fans, quite frankly, and maybe this is not the best thing ever, but um, but it would be nice to be able to watch the product with a little bit of optimism. Yeah. Um, you know, and kind of, you know, I don't want to, obviously, I don't want to forget about everything that's happening with Vince, but at the same time, it would be nice to be able to watch it and not have to think about that as the reason for what's happening, right? So, um, so yeah, we'll see what totally. happens. But, I mean, looking forward... Like I said, Vince still kind of has a little bit of control really hovering in the background. But depending to your point, Steve, on what comes out next in the media and how much truth there is to some of this, maybe that could even be stripped away. I guess we'll have to wait and see. I'll put it this way again, like, you know, wrestling can can fool their fans and do that, you know, bullshit like kayfabe and all and and works and all that with their fans. But if it if Vince is still calling the shots, that's going to leak out there very quickly. And yeah, the wrestling fans might react one way, but st investors and all that will be like, this is bullshit. He didn't really step away. So that's why I think it's not just the audience that's the, the play here it's the stakeholders it's all that stuff so yeah i think yeah if he's still calling the shots it'll come out i i kind of think that this is the end of vince um and it'll be interesting i mean you know i think before there was aew there was nxt and that was like to me like one of the best things i'd ever watched in wrestling and it's like the reason alone i bought the wwe network or stayed with the wwe network and it was like my favorite thing every week and that's all triple h and uh yeah he doesn't have uh lord regal and and other people still but he's still the one that came up with all that so if he truly is allowed to kind of do his own thing yeah it's not going to happen overnight and yeah 
mainstream WWE on the USA network is not NXT on the net on the WWE network. So it's not like it's going to be apples to apples, but I still think he has undeniably the right mind to strike the balance of keeping them mainstream, but really good stories and stuff. I, yeah, even I would consider giving them another shot, but I think we got to get there first and see it, let it all shake out. Yeah, you guys bring up a lot of immaculate points about what could happen. Um, well, first, I mean, we all know what Triple H has done with NXT, um, what he made that to be. Um, and and it, it sent them into some serious health problems when it got ripped away from him mm-hmm. uh, when they were losing the road to AEW. I mean, this guy is coming in to the head of creative with a chip on his shoulder. Um, something, I mean, he doesn't have to prove anything to Vince. The proof was in the pudding. He, he made something amazing. And honestly, I'm really happy that we don't have to talk about like, what the fuck are they doing? This and that, that era's done. I mean, we've been talking about like just how garbage it's been for so long. And I hate to trash the WWF, WWE, all that. Uh, like what Vince did, he built something great, but obviously it's been just god awful. I mean, definitely not for us fans our age. Um, but I'm just so happy that is done, and we can go forward with a clean slate and be like, okay, it's it's almost like BC and AD before Vince, <laughs> or like BV or no or, AV, yeah, after yeah, Vince, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is. I mean, we're living in it, and I mean. We're 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 so deep into wrestling now where we can. I'm so glad that like we're we're gonna have to mark this on our calendar because everything's gonna change now. Well, I, mean, I can't wait to see if they're gonna tear apart NXT 2.0, call it something completely different because you can't really backtrack to NXT. You don't want to call it NXT 3.0 because NXT 2.0 is just hot garbage right now. So I mean, there's just so much. Or shit. yeah, I was thinking about that. You know, Triple H carved his own niche with nxt and on the one hand would he try to do that again but no, he, he, or do you make the wwe as good as nxt was you know what i mean like so maybe exactly. where does nxt fit maybe it truly does stay developmental but with his able hands it'll actually not have you know hot garbage every week so yeah i True. think nxt's days of being its own standalone kick-ass brand probably are over because triple why would triple h has the main stage now make that the next nxt that's a Um, great point and i've heard other speculations similar to that because for exactly to your point triple h when he was running nxt it was it was great because it was very different from wwe by design because that's how triple h saw it he would get indie guys he would have them you know focus on work rate the storylines were pretty basic i would say but that's you didn't need that the wrestling told the story for the most part so if in mainstream wwe in the, on the main roster if that's the direction they start to go yeah nxt sort of becomes like you said steve more of a developmental brand um it'd be interesting to see if if that happens if they continue to put it on tv or not but um i personally i don't really see the need for it i think a lot of the folks on that show would benefit from a few more reps that weren't televised um just because when they finally do get onto tv you don't have this preconceived notion of who they are and how they wrestle i want to go back to vince real quick um we know that he paid off a lot of people 
Uh, the list there's a list out there now of I think over maybe eight people or something like that. But um, there's all I mean, this is just what's been released. I mean, I gotta think Vince's PR people are pretty damn good. I mean, the dude. This is just the shit that it, we know of and is confirmed. This is there's there's got to be more shit over the course of his career. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he had somebody dead. I mean, you've seen uh, Weekend at Bernie's before. I mean, those guys caught some shisty shit on the books of Weekend at Bernie's, and Bernie Womax tried to kill those guys. I think Vince probably... I mean, they're probably like, hey, Vince, there's some discrepancies in the books. I bet they're fucking in Cucamonga right now. Never to be seen again. Who knows? It's very possible. I uh, I heard a similar rumor... Um, not to interject, but I, I was having a conversation earlier with one of our longtime listeners. Shout out to Andy, friend of the channel. And he had brought up this story that I saw on Reddit Squared Circle, which, to be fair to our listeners who are familiar with Squared Circle, not the most reliable place for information. There's a lot of hot garbage out there. You gotta but, sift through um, it. But one story um, that sort of rose up based on the number of comments, likes, things like that, was a story about a ring boy. Um, I'm not sure who that exact, what that term exactly means. If he was someone who just helped set up the ring, but it sounds like he's he, like an acolyte to a priest. Sort of. <laughs> we all know That's, how that goes. Yeah. Well, exactly. Well. And it sounds like about a year after something happened, he ended up committing suicide. Jeez. And there's rumors circulating on squared circle that you know, is this the next story we hear about um, that has to do with Vince? And, you know, when we talk about things getting worse, is this what they mean by that? Or, mm-hmm. you know, are they talking about the, you know, the rumors and the lore of Macho Man and Stephanie McMahon from the oh. 90s and all that kind of stuff? Um, I don't know. And honestly, don't take any of this as fact or let it bias whatever you might already think be thinking. Because like I said, it's Squared Circle on Reddit. It's it could be anything. I don't take it seriously, but of course we're not a legit media outlet. We were welcome to speculate all you want. Yeah, we are. That's what, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of speculating, if I may, um, mm-hmm. CM Punk had some fun. Did you guys see what he said in the, the no, about the whole this. Vince thing? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't want to read it all cause people can go and look it up, but I'm just going to skim some of the highlights, but, uh, he's like, uh, Mercedes, you know, Sasha Banks and Naomi leave. They announce on SmackDown. Gosh darn, we're so disappointed in them. They really let their fans down. Brock Lesnar splits, comes back. Uh, Where is uh, Michael Cole saying, Brock Lesnar really let the fans down? And then he said, uh, yeah, I walked out. I went on TV. They called me a quitter. What's changed? What's the difference? They're going to attack these poor women who have had enough and walked. They have bigger balls than anybody there. What's changed? Um and he's talking about how it's like the, the, now there's all these effing cowards and bootlickers and it's ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, I think that's the other thing too. It's like Brock bolted. He did come back, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, they, they were quick to like lambaste those two women. And then, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of gross stuff that, uh, but yeah, CM Punk's take is that, you know, Vince is still there and until something radical changes, he's probably still calling the shots. I don't know. He has burned a lot of, I mean, he's burned a lot of the, these contracts now he was supposed to have this netflix uh series come out i mean there's you know it's really popular now the last dance now the tom brady man in the arena right now Derek jeter the captain where they do like these multi-part uh episodes deep dive documentary series about these huge stars influential people in their craft 
And Netflix just straight up dropped it because of yep. all the shit that's been coming out. Because what they just made and produced could be all lies. And Netflix doesn't want to have egg on their face. Because I guess the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal is, is coming out with something real big uh, pretty soon here. You know, they're going to do their due diligence. And um, HBO, who is, you know, they don't really leave anything out. It's an unedited, you know on-screen testimonies that they're going to have. So that's going to be really interesting. So, I mean, it could get pretty bad. And, I mean, depending how bad it is, I mean, we saw how how Dark Side of the Ring, you know, fucked up a lot of Ric Flair's image uh, forever. We all knew he was a party boy, but, I mean, once it's on TV and gets a big stir going, people start talking, it gets bad. It's gonna, And I think it's going to get really worse for Vince. I mean, yeah, he's, think so. he's very, very rich, and he... He's gonna be better off than most, um, but I don't. I, do you think he's gonna do jail time at all? I'd be shocked. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, I don't see that happening. I mean, especially at his age, and just, I mean, he's evaded anyone even picking up on this for how long? So yeah, you know, with the with the team of lawyers, I'm sure he has or can afford, and mm-hmm. with his advanced age, you know, just kind of how this is typically plays out with people of this status i don't see it happening yeah i I agree you just err on the side of that with these rich white dudes like you know like obviously um vince's close personal friend uh donald trump seems to evade everything and he's done far worse um i think vince i actually i actually think uh trump took some advice from vince on just like how do you keep Staying so clean and out of trouble. And side note, how do you just make these people believe things that are obviously fake? Well, it's simple, Donald. And then he probably just dissolved all the secrets on like just how the fucking guy does it all. I mean, yeah. Vince has a, a lot, a lot of skeletons in his closet. I'm sure. Probably mm-hmm. more than some politicians out there. So. Oh, yeah. It's going to be, and I mean, there's, I'm not saying all politicians are corrupt, but I mean, nobody gets to the status that they are, and the, there's enough stories out there uh, that confirm, you know, instances in the past and testimony, but nobody gets to that level. How rich? I don't. I just don't care. You gotta, you're, you're gonna crack some eggs to make an omelet, and I mean, he's got a whole fucking chicken coop or a whole ranch. Of eggs that he's cracked, I bet. I uh, I oh. hope this never happens, but there, you know, episode two, 300, 400 of Keep the Kayfabe, we could be talking about a Tony Khan scandal. You never know. That's oh, possible. yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I think about that stuff all the time. Like, you can always see the documentaries, like the lead ups, like it was such the newest hype thing and blah, blah, blah. And then something big. I mean, you're, you're just one. One what, step and it, it can bring you down as quick as you came up. What I always One tell, story. what I always tell people, like there's like a member of my family who's a big Johnny Depp fan. It's like, oh, thank God he won the trial. Blah blah blah. She's horrible. All that. It's like we don't know these people. You don't know Johnny Depp. You don't know Vince mm-hmm. McMahon. You don't know Aaron Rodgers. You don't know any athlete, any star. They play a character or they're on TV and they show you exactly what they want to see. So. You should just always prepare for the worst. I'm the world's biggest William Shatner fan, or you name it. Like, mm-hmm. there could be some massive scandal that he, you know, God forbid, raped somebody or something. Would it be sad? Yeah, but would it shock me? No, because you don't know these people. It's like that's well, it's like, and they're in a circle of wealth. Yeah, that we 
like our imaginations can't even begin to understand the things that the doors that are open to these mm-hmm. people uh you know like who they surround themselves with to protect their image and i mean mm-hmm. they're very very smart intelligent people but the reason maybe we're not at that level is we have a conscience and we have yeah. uh, empathy and we have uh, i don't know compassion towards yeah. not you know, being evil. So, well, and you know, if there's one thing the listeners can count on, you know, we're kind of getting into heavy stuff here, but you can always count on our integrity and you can always count on keep the kayfabe. And there's, there's actually three reasons why, but we're going to talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Yes. You'll have to stay tuned to get stay those tuned to fa- to reasons. know why we maintain our integrity. Yeah, absolutely. So, so, but important to hear. And speaking of integrity, this was quite the show this past Saturday. Integrity was, should have been the name of Death or Dishonor because the first Ring of Honor pay-per-view at the like after Tony Khan announced that he's got the reins, they showed up and I, the, every match on the card delivered and the the set looked great. The crowd was into it. They built a great card. We saw some new champions. We we saw some retaining champions. So I think there was one match that outshined the rest. It was FTR versus the Briscoes. FTR, we can't talk about them enough. They retained the Tag Team Championships, the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champs. And, um, I mean, is FTR one of the greatest tag teams ever? I, I think I, so. Like, just flat out. I mean, I think are, so. I, are we yeah. ready to say that? Are we ready to put them in I'll, that ter- that that company of all the greats? I mean, we we've had a greatest tag team uh, episode. You'll have to go back and listen to that. It's a two parter. It's great, but yeah, I'll I can't weigh, remember. I'll, if- I'll weigh in quick first because I'm the oldest person here, um, and <laughs> you know I watched you know contemporary times like. Teams like the Road Warriors, the Fabulous Ones, the Midnight Express, uh, the Rock and Roll Express, all those teams. I mean, I think when the dust settles, FTR will be in that conversation because they're just so damn good. And they just and they, you know, if you're one of those purists like Jim Cornette, you know, and and I'm not, um, they hold up like you could take FTR right now and stick them in the 1980s and they'd still be as good Mm -hmm. as they are. Like they're timeless. So yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think, and they can wrestle anybody. Like you know, the Lucha Brothers, the Briscoe Brothers, um, they can wrestle the Rock and Roll Express in their sixties, like, and still look good. So yeah, I think they're. And in people all-time. are going crazy for them, just like the the Rock and people mm-hmm. went crazy for the Rock and Roll Express. Mm-hmm. Same hype, same huge pops. I mean, they 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 shake the stadiums whenever they wrestle. Now, I mean, this is some momentum that we haven't seen in quite some time. Uh, just in this era of wrestling, uh, I mean, I think cell phones take a lot away from a wrestling show because, you know, I watch a lot of old stuff and, uh, you know, there wasn't any cell phones. There wasn't any distracting. People weren't trying to post a reel or a story or a snap yeah. of this shit just to show their friends that they're there. Everybody is locked in because this is what they paid money for. This is what they came to see. And they fucking usually let them know when they come out of that ring and they get one of those old school authentic pops, which is just so refreshing. 
uh, for old school fans like us and new school marks like us. So, yeah. So, Matt, we need to hear more about this match. It was best out of two or three falls. The Briscoes took the first fall. And uh, what happened from there? Yeah, uh, great question. So the whole match ended up going about 45 minutes. But before we got to the end, like you said, Mike, um, Briscoe's got the first fall. FTR got the second fall. Um, Up until, I think, the third fall, um, so that final stretch of the match, it was kind of, I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong. Phenomenal match, start to finish. There's something, and maybe this is just me, and I'm sure other folks out there would agree or disagree, but with two out of three falls matches, I think the one risk you run is everybody's expecting it to go to three falls, right? And we've seen maybe a couple matches in the Mm -hmm. past that don't follow that pattern, but given FTR and the Briscoes' tendency and just the tendency of modern wrestling to associate long matches with really good matches, you kind of assume as a fan of modern wrestling, it's going to go with all three falls, and it did. So I think for the first two falls, the crowd was into it, um, they were on their feet, which was actually called out by the commentators. And for once, they actually were on their feet. Um, but <laughs> up until that point, uh, you know, nobody was really reacting significantly to anything that was going on in the match because I think everybody kind of knew in their back of their mind, okay, yeah, we're not we're not there yet. There's still time. So when it did finally get to that third fall, though, man, the crowd was just on fire, like red hot the whole time. Admittedly, I was watching it on TV. And I, when the third fall was occurring, every near fall mattered. And it just, it had you hooked the whole time. The, the match ends with, um, I think it was Dax. Yeah, Dax Harwood from FTR rolling over one of the Briscoes. For, he uses a pile driver off of either the second rope or the top rope. Just an insane pile driver. Um, they just kind of land in a heap. And these guys were just exhausted everybody's bleeding by the end of the match they're winded it's been 45 minutes so they're just spent and dax pins him by rolling him over with his legs after the pile driver locks the legs into the arms and just kind of turns his whole body over and lays there he's not even covering him but his legs are on top of the briscoe's arms and so the referee counts to three ftr wins the crowd just erupts and both these guys are just laying there. Dax is laying face down, just completely done. Like, he's given it everything he's got. Briscoe's laying there, just destroyed, face up. Like, you know, and these guys, it, it was such a great finish because I think it just showed these guys truly left it all in the ring. Um, now, I've heard speculation about this match online. Um, I think even Dave Meltzer and Brian Alvarez were talking about it a little bit. They seem to think that this match wasn't quite as good as the first one between... FTR and the Briscoes, and I I did not see that match, so I can't really give my thoughts on it, but I could understand it just for no other reason than, like I said before, two out of three falls matches, there's a little bit of predictability with it. I think in their first encounter, which was just a straight-up tag match to one fall, it could have ended anyway at any time, so the crowd was red hot the whole time for it. So I'd love to go back and watch the first match, because if that was better than this, oh my <laughs> god, definitely match of the year. Um yeah, just phenomenal. Good stuff, Matt. Yeah, I was able to catch the highlights. I was out of town in Pittsburgh, and um, I wasn't able to check out this pay per view. But um, I, I was, I was a little surprised to see FTR retain. It's like they don't want to. They, they are on a rocket ship. They are hot, hot right now. And they're not—they're not turning off those thrusters. 
Not for one damn minute. And, um, I mean, they put over the... They know... They know how to put the Briscoes over by losing. And, I mean, if they take it to that extent with FTR, the best tag team in the world right now, Briscoes are over. They're going to have great matches. They're going to get their time. But, yeah, I guess, you know, when FTR is just this white hot right now, there's no reason to slow them down, right? Yeah, I kind of want to Charlie on here tonight because he was pretty convinced uh, the Briscoes were going to win. Mm-hmm. And I was pretty convinced they weren't because I don't know. I, I try to sift through the internet, you know, rumors and all that. But I'm not, I, I think it's simplistic to say that Tony Khan doesn't like the, uh, the, the Briscoes. There's no real evidence of that. It sounds like they are under contract long-term with ring of honor, but at the same mm-hmm. time, for whatever reason, uh, time Warner doesn't want them, whatever. They never show up on AEW and, um, either show so that's a limitation this is now tony khan's um ring of honor and all the guys that he's been building up kind of came out on top so zaro all that so he's kind of striking that balance but it's favoring you know his agenda so i just i didn't think i didn't think the brisk i don't think the briscoes figure into his long-term agenda so i didn't think Mm. they were gonna win yeah i I can understand that train of thought. At, at the same time, you know, one thing we got to keep in mind is Ring of Honor. I mean, they went out of business. Tony Khan was smart enough to buy out the company. Yeah. And essentially, he's now trying to rebuild it from the ground up. And that uh, rebuilding it does not mean getting all new wrestlers. But I think as part of his strategy to rebuild it, he needs to get more eyes on the product because it didn't have that before. And they still don't have a TV deal. So that's something we have to kind of keep in the back of our minds. So if he wants to draw more attention to it, one way to do that, which is a a good short-term way, which right now I think that's a good way to think about it is get some name power with that brand that people recognize. And we'll probably get into this here in a second, but Claudio Castagnoli being the new ring of honor champion, formerly Cesaro of WWE. I mean, you're putting a former WWE guy that's beloved by hardcore wrestling fans into the ring of honor top spot i think that's a very smart business move um because there's a lot of people out there who love ring of honor and they love cesaro because of what he represents so you put those two things together it's money so there is that um i think the same could be said for ftr i i realize longtime ring of honor fans love the briscoes I also think Tony Khan's trying to draw more eyes to ring of honor so the longtime diehard roh fans they're going to keep watching so how do you draw more eyes to the product? Well, if you have a tag team that holds all these different titles from all these different promotions, that's a lot of people who know that team who you can draw to Ring of Honor. So I do think it makes sense short term, but I would disagree with your thoughts, Steve, on the Briscoes long term. I do think they're going to be around long term. I think once we see that viewership grow and maybe once a TV deal gets struck, then mm. maybe the belts get back on the Briscoes because at that point people will become more familiar with them or more people will become familiar with them. So it becomes a good point at which you transition the belts onto them. It's sort of like when AEW started, it was all these new names, people we didn't know. So you give the belt to someone like Jericho, you know, as somebody who everybody knows. And then as you develop stars, you can kind of pass it on to these other stars, right? I I think he's, Tony Khan's a business guy. So he's taking Mm -hmm. the approach that he knows works and just repeating it for ring of honor, at least 
That would be my guess. I really hope that's the approach he's taking because so far I- I'm hooked. So <laughs> I, my, my slight counterpoint, and understand, I don't have any passionate arguments on any of this because admittedly I was not a ring of honor guy, yeah, but I know enough about wrestling to have, you know, like across the board, but I think, you know, Jericho legend, like one of legitimate good choice for Mount Rushmore. I feel like whatever the future holds for ring of honor, like the Briscoes are old and Mm -hmm. 70. No, maybe that's it. 60% of AEW fans probably don't really know who they are. So it's like, I don't know that they ever need to put the belts on them. I know like Charlie would probably be getting angsty at me right now, but I don't see a future for them. It's like they, 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 I think this is a new ring of honor. The old ring of honor had lots of great memories. It spawned a lot of legends, but it went out of business. So it's mm-hmm. like, like Tony Khan needs to strike the balance of making it go. And I think, I think we're going to see a lot of guys that we know from AEW carrying that for a good while. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, so I don't know. Maybe it's also because I never really got the appeal of the Briscoes. I think they're good, but the 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 gimmick never really resonated with me. Um, not that's not a slam on them. Just because I don't get it doesn't mean they're bad. But so I don't know. I could be slanted on that too. Well, you both bring up really really great points, and I see where you're both coming from. If you remember very very early on, pretty much in during the inception of AEW. Um, the first match I think was for the tag team titles. It was Private Party versus the Young Bucks, mm-hmm. and Private Party won over the Young Bucks. So they're all about getting the new fans or or getting like young talent over, but yet they still, like Matt said, they need these top names to look at these new shows. They actually had Kenny Omega wrestle on Dark. Before he even was on the Dynamite shows, I want to say, or something like that. Or he was getting booked on Dark. And people, the hardcore fans were just like, what are you doing? This is Kenny O'Fucking-Mega, and you're putting him on Dark in front of no fans? And it's like, that's honestly a smart move. If you're stroking it to Kenny Omega, you're going to have to see him on Dark. So you're going to have to tune in. And then you get a taste of this product. It's kind of like free samples at Costco. Hoping you like you take a little nibble. It's like, all right, I'll, I'll buy a whole uh, meal of this lasagna <laughs> or pierogies or whatever they're catering at Costco. Anyway, for, for those people that bitch and moan about AEW relying, quote unquote, on WWE talent and all that. AEW is doing a brilliant job of like bringing in recognizable names, but not steering away from their course of like building the next stars like Hangman Page. um, you know, one of Mike's world famous segues, I think we're headed towards here by talking about uh, like uh, private party winning Daniel Garcia. Look what just happened to him this week. We're going to talk about that in a second. Like even though they are jungle boy, I-, I could keep going on, but it's like they bring in these legends, but they're not losing sight of the the foundations of the, which I think is great. That's what it should be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you're right, Steve, I was going to, uh, segue into Daniel Garcia. Uh, we saw him wrestle last night on Dynamite, and we'll get to that a little bit later, or maybe right after we talk about his pure wrestling ROH championship belt that he went up against hot as fuck, 
Wheeler Yuta. And I'm not saying like as attractive. I'm saying is like his run right now. I wouldn't hot. judge you if you did. <laughs> He's a good looking guy. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, but uh, yeah. So this match, we knew it was going to be uh, a very technical match because that's what the belt, the pure belt, is all about. Um, we haven't really seen Daniel Garcia wrestle this style and uh, against this opponent, but we know Wheeler Yuta can, and he's he's been doing immaculate things, and everybody's saying. Uh, whispers, not started as whispers, now are clamors, I would go as far as saying, for Daniel Garcia being one of the big, big stars, up-and-comers in AEW. Does he have what it takes to be one of those stars, Matt, after seeing this match? Oh, man, that's a great question. Um, I mean, on past episodes, I, and our longtime listeners probably know this, but I was not a huge Daniel Garcia fan when he first came out in AEW um, until I saw his matches. His matches are phenomenal. And, you know, Mike, to your point, I think more recently, Daniel Garcia has been caught up more in the sports entertainment world with the Jericho Appreciation Society. But when he first broke in in AEW, a lot of his matches were very hard-hitting technical matches. You know, if you think about, like, Brian Danielson, uh, Cesaro, like those kind of wrestlers, that's the kind of style Daniel Garcia wrestles. and CM you know, Punk re- wanted to wrestle him right away, right when he came in, which is like an amazing compliment. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. CM Punk loves that kind of style. William Regal even recently, I think on the Death Before Dishonor show, made a comment about how he loves Daniel Garcia and he'd love to have him in the Blackpool Combat Club. Problem is, if they get all the good wrestlers, who are they going to wrestle? So True. That's, that's a great line. Lot. That says a lot about Daniel Garcia. So, um, so getting back to Death Before Dishonor, you know, you mentioned Daniel Garcia, Wheeler Yuta, the Ring of Honor Pure Championship. I watched this match. I I admittedly haven't really seen a Pure Championship match or Pure Rules in Ring of Honor. For those listeners who also maybe aren't familiar with this, if you love watching any Brian Danielson match or Cesaro or the Blackpool Combat Club, that whole group on AEW TV, Ring of Honor Pure is the best. Um it's wrestled like legitimate professional wrestling. Like you can't use close fists, um, which makes you get a lot more creative with how you use moves. So it's a lot more focused on wrestling moves, chain wrestling, mat wrestling, stuff like that. And you don't get, uh, you get a limited number of rope breaks. So submissions are a lot more interesting because you don't really have a lot of choice in, you know, once it gets deeper into the match. So anyway, I say all that this match was phenomenal. Um, the whole card was really good, and every match was great in its own way. I honestly think this might have been my favorite match of the night. Um, mm-hmm. I just I really like the style of wrestling the more I see it. So you have that. Now, Daniel Garcia did great in this match. He did not win. Um, he did a great job flipping off the Ring of Honor sign on his way out after <laughs> losing, which was a great nod to his sports entertainer role on AEW TV. And so we saw that happen, right? Then the following Wednesday on Dynamite, Daniel Garcia goes up against Brian Danielson. And this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler if you haven't seen the match. By the way, if you haven't seen it, go it watch it. It was yesterday. You had time. Oh, I'm sorry. Two yes. days ago by the time this airs. They, yes, no at time of recording, this. it was yesterday. So you got Shame time. on you. Yeah, but um, so anyway, Daniel Garcia comes out, takes on Brian Danielson, who the story of the match ends up being Danielson has been out for a while now, like months, with an injury. And... He has a history of injuries, specifically concussions and neck issues. And so they get into the match only a few minutes in, and suddenly Danielson just kind of collapses after hitting the ropes. And 
that leads to Garcia just being ruthless, DDTing him on the concrete. Danielson's busted open. Seems to be a pattern with any member of the Blackpool Combat Club. You have to bleed in your matches. But anyway, um, so the match goes on. In short, Garcia ends up winning and making Brian Danielson tap. Now, I think this was a great match to do this in because... I don't think Danielson tapped, though, Matt. I think he passed out. He passed... Yes, great call. He did pass out. Thank you. But he um, is the best wrestler basically in the world right now. He is. I mean, and and for the style that these two wrestled, that's saying a lot because this was Brian Danielson's wheelhouse. It's also Daniel Garcia's wheelhouse. So seeing these two go head to head was great. Um, I think they set it up really well. It, it elevated Garcia to a whole nother level, I think. And absolutely. At the, sa- at the same time, I think there's enough excuses that could be made for these two to have a, another match, um, which I would love to see. I, I totally think Danielson could win in most, you know, 99 out of 100 times, he probably would. But I think if this was the one out of 100 times, I think it was the perfect time to do it. A few minutes into the match, it almost felt like it was going to be a squash where Danielson was going to beat Garcia, but I'm really glad they went down the path they did. They went for the upset victory. It totally worked. It made sense. It was the right time to do it. Here's my thing. I and I wasn't a very big fan of Garcia when he first came in. I still don't know if I'm a huge fan of Garcia now. Even though everybody's, you know, S and his D. Uh, and he's great. <laughs> he's awesome. But honestly, if he was a legacy wrestler... He would be the next Randy Orton, I think. Mm. He's kind of got the same build when he was, when he was, uh, you know, when Randy first came in, he was, you know, he was, he was hyped up. He, this Daniel Garcia, I think if he was better looking, he kind of <laughs> reminds me of a guy in high school that you just don't want to be friends with. Like, he could be a very nice guy in high school or whatever, but just the way he looks, I don't know. I don't know I, if I would have really want anything to do with him. I think if he wrestled in a luchador mask, maybe he would have a better career. He's just got one of those hateable faces where he does. It's it, it's mm-hmm. not. It, he doesn't look like The Rock. Doesn't look like Cena or Dave Batista or. I mean, I would say even Randy Orton's better looking than this guy. I, uh, I totally got, get what you mean, Mike. Um, not to interject, but you would ask mm-hmm. me before: Do I think he has a future, and is he going to be like a world title level star? The guy wrestles like it, but to your point, I don't know that he has that it factor. And, mm-hmm. you know, looks are definitely part of it. I mean, we've seen that over the course of all time. I, But I also wonder, like, you know, once he finds himself as a wrestler, because the guy's only 23 years old, he's got time. And mm-hmm. I think this Jericho Appreciation Society thing is showing a new side of him. But at the same time, I I I don't feel like it's still the right fit for him. I, I think he is at heart just a brawler and like a really tough guy. I mm-hmm. don't know though how that translates to main event level star. Well, let's um let's just kind of talk about something that we we're going to talk about on the show because it might be relatable right now. Um we're going to get to Claudio and Grisham match uh that cl- uh, for the Ring of Honor Championship. But last night we saw that they're, they just subtly dropped that there's going to be a trio's uh, championship belts. 
all of a sudden I just saw three cha- beautiful belts, new belts I've never seen on screen in front of the announcer's table, all set up, and I'm like, well, uh, I guess they're doing it. And sure that enough, was crazy. Yep, we, we've been talking about it. I thought it would be... You know, a bigger reveal. There's been bigger reveals for the mid, the All Atlantic or the women's TBS title. This <laughs> this is something that's really exciting because there's so many stables in AEW, and they're just like, well, they're gonna be up for grabs. We're gonna have a tournament, and you know what? The championship's gonna be at All Out, which I'm super excited for. But D- D- Garcia is with the Jericho Appreciation Society. He came from 2.0. Um, Daddy Magic and Cool Hand Luke or whatever his name is, and uh, maybe, maybe the trios title is in his future. I think we're gonna see some different trios champions. Um, I think there's a wrestler that's gonna come out, and I'll let you guys talk about that. But you know, maybe I think just Garcia needs to stick with some people that are more likable than him in his face. He's got all the tools. <laughs> he just doesn't have the image to get the job. You know what I mean? They're gonna go with the prettier, more flashy, more entertaining, more likable because it's all money. It's all about money. It's all about eyes. It's all about attention span. I I, t- I equate it to you know like I don't watch a lot of baseball, but when some batters come up to bat. And they're on my favorite team, and then I don't like that player. I fucking change the channel. I don't give a shit if he strikes out or gets a home run. There's just some people I don't like, and I'm I'm sorry. I mean, it might be just a character flaw of my own where I don't give everybody a chance. But I guess call me judgmental. But I think uh, he's a little young right now, and he needs to be. I, I think that he's with the Jericho Appreciation Society. That's the best thing that they could possibly do for the kid right now. And go head to get head to head against Blackpool uh, Fight Club, so those are great formidable opponents for him. So, in time, it'll get there. This was his big coming out, uh, as we predicted. But uh, did you guys want to talk about the trios and your reactions and what you think might happen with these belts coming up here? Obviously, a long time coming. Um, and you know, with the timing of the rumors about Kenny Omega coming back very soon. You know, Kenny and the Bucks, whoever, it's just, it's perfect timing. I'm shocked at how underwhelming the announcement was, but maybe they're doing that to be like coyly unassuming so that, you know, they can bam, Kenny Omega's back. You know what I mean? Like, let the, let that be the big announcement out of this, that they're going for the trios title. But no, this is long overdue. It's like AEW has made team wrestling cool again. And like this belt will just like elevate that. I agree. Um, personally, just based on how things are shaken out and how AEW likes to do things, I actually don't think Kenny Omega is going to be part of the trio's title picture in the early going. Um, I think that the Young Bucks, for sure, are part of it. Um, and we even saw in Dynamite, they kind of hinted at the idea of Hangman Page partnering up with the Young Bucks um, or just reconciling with them. I could totally see that working because right now Hangman Page just feels like he needs something to do. Um, and it sure as hell isn't the Dark Order. Right. It's not the Dark Order. He hasn't been the same since losing the world title. And I think two things. Kenny Omega coming back at All Out would be a huge pop from the crowd. And I think it's a you know a place that AEW would do something like that. So you have mm-hmm. that. And if they're going to do a trios title tournament, which apparently they are, that leads up to All Out... You don't want to spoil that surprise beforehand. So you can't have Kenny Omega be part of the tournament. 
right? So that takes him out mm-hmm. of the trio's title picture. But if he comes back at All Out, and maybe we see the return of CM Punk at All Out, you know, maybe he wrestles John Moxley at All Out. I, I could easily see that being a match. Wins the title and immediately gets challenged by Kenny Omega. Oh my God! Like put him back mm. in the title picture against Punk because that's the one title match Punk still hasn't really touched on, um, or the the feud he hasn't really touched on. And I think as great as MJF and CM Punk was, I mean, can you imagine those two in each other's orbit? Kenny Omega well, and CM Punk like that's that's like the best of the best from two different like complete trains of thought. Well, if Charlie was here, he would quickly interrupt you and say that would never work because <laughs> those are two baby faces and they wouldn't want to tarnish that right away. That is true. Yeah. I mean, when we last saw Kenny Omega, he was a heel, but obviously he's going to be a baby face coming back because the crowd's going to not have it any other way. Um, but to that point, um, you know, we saw Punk as a baby face before he left, uh, before mm-hmm. he was injured. And. I have a hunch he's starting to have more heelish tendencies, so maybe they come back as, you know, Punk is the heel, Kenny Omega is the babyface. I don't know. I uh, I think AEW, they don't have to follow that classic heel versus babyface uh, formula, which wrestling basically is built upon. I think there's been enough wrestling where we've seen all those stories before and the fans are just really interested in these dream matchups. Like we saw with Darby Allen and CM Punk that I called when he first came in, like stuff like that. But like see, uh, like CM Punk versus Kenny, that's another one of those dream matchup scenarios that the fans would pay to see. And that's what it's all about. Right? So I'm not really, I think you got a good point there, Matt. I do think Kenny Omega does maybe, come in at all out as a substitute for maybe Adam Hangman Page that's wrestling with the Bucks. Uh, I think it might be like Red Dragon with Adam Cole Mm, versus Young Bucks, Adam Page. In the finals, something happens with Adam Page leading up to it. Who's going to come in? Is it Jay White or one of somebody else? They, They could bring in somebody totally way out of left field where we're like, holy fuck, this is amazing! And then Kenny Omega's music hits later after the match and i don't know there's a lot of freedom now i mean Mm -hmm. uh two's a company and they say three's a crowd well i'm here for that fucking crowd man i am excited for these trios titles there's like we said there's uh, there's stable on stable on stable in uh aew and they just need something more to wrestle for these records when there's just singles titles and tag titles when they're overstocked with tag teams you gotta break it up and uh this was smart to bring this in and i'm just happy that we're gonna see them uh around the waist of uh the first champions at all out which me and charlie are going to i'm so pumped now um it's gonna be great so yep any way they book it any way they book it is gonna be phenomenal and that's a great problem to have truly i and tony we trust print that shirt Alrighty, so we got one more match left to go here before we get to promo of the week. We saw Claudio, ah, fuck, I can't even remember his last name right now. Castagnoli. Thank you, Steve, I knew you would have it. Versus Jonathan Grisham, uh, former Ring of Honor champion of the world. Claudio takes the belt. I think this is a great move. 
Was it a great match, Matt? You got to see it. Yeah, I did. Um, it was weird. So uh, immediately after the match, Jonathan Gresham asked for his release. So, and, and I think some of that emotion bled over into the match a little bit. But regardless of that, mm. it was still a solid match. Um, we got the highlights from Claudio again. I think one of the things I disliked about the match, Claudio's only had a handful of matches in AEW slash Ring of Honor at this point, And every match he's had almost follows the same formula. He comes out red hot, right out of the gate. Um, we did see him perform the swing on Jonathan Gresham early in the match, which, by the way, was very entertaining to watch just because the size difference between these two is almost comical. And so that made that pretty interesting. Um, I feel like Claudio had really relies a lot on his European uppercuts like he did in WWE. And I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, I think, but we see him do this a lot. And I'd love to see him do more technical map-based wrestling because supposedly that is his bread and butter. Um, but it, it's possible he's still trying to get a feel for what it's like being able to wrestle however he wants to wrestle. And, you know, he's been trained, you know, to work a WWE style for almost a decade. So, yeah, he's going to have to unlearn a little bit of that. But as a whole, great match. Um, it was really good, really solid. I probably wouldn't go back and rewatch it again. And But as we talked about on the rest of the podcast, and I won't rehash this, I think it was the right call. I think it's good to get those diehard ROH fans someone um, that they can be excited to see but also the not diehard ROH fans, someone that they recognize so they might get interested in the product. True. Yeah, Savaro's the obvious choice for that because, I mean, no offense, but sure as hell is in Gresham. I mean, like, he's not charismatic. He's good. He's detrimentally short. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's... um you're not going to build your new company on Jonathan Gresham. I'm sorry. He's not that interesting, but Cesaro, like to your points strikes the complete balance. WWE fans know him and love him. Ring of honor fans know him from before WWE and love him. AEW fans inherently love him. He is like the absolute right person to, to put on like the cornerstone of your new product. Oh, WWE fans were crying out for Cesaro to get an opportunity, but he just never did. I think the biggest match I, we actually talked about it was him versus Seth Rollins or something at WrestleMania two years ago or something like that. He, yeah. he yep. had maybe the best match of the two-night thing uh, of that night. And, um, yeah, I mean, maybe it was just taboo or just, you know, a trend like, give it to Cesaro, get, you know, give him a shot. Well, now he's got it. Are you going to watch him? Put your money where your mouth is folks so if you want to support this man you're gonna have to tune in the ring of honor and support this man maybe even buy yeah. a t-shirt and tune in to keep the kayfabe and listen to us talk about claudio because i i'm excited i'm with you boys too this guy is a specimen he's a he's a freak and not only will he do great things but he will make other people look really good doing it he is a guy that you can set your watch to you know what you're gonna get with him you're going to get those European uppercuts. You're going to get that spin. But what are the fun little details that this guy can bring to every single match with a new opponent? And I feel Ring of Honor has that type of freedom where it's like, hey, why don't you try doing something that we've never seen? I can't I can't think of anything right now. I mean, something comparable like we did just see. The dude 
took his European uppercut through a dude's legs and carried a grown man up on the outside ring floor up the stairs and put him in the ring with one arm. Like, I've never seen that before. It's superhuman. At least not from, like, a, a dude who's not the big show or Diesel or, you know, Undertaker or something like that. So, yeah, the dude's a freak. It's going to be fun. He's creative. He's still got a lot of left tech left in the tank. The dude could wrestle probably for 20 more years and still do the shit that he's doing. The guy's just a, a, he's a specimen. So, yeah, smart move. I'm glad that's on Claudio. He's got his shot. He'll probably, you know, make appearances on AEW Dynamite and Rampage still. And uh, he, we got a great champion. So, good stuff, boys. Well, it's getting a little late in the program, and that means only one thing, and that could, that is promo of the week. And we got a good one here. Let's see. Mac from Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, just down the street from me. So, local listener. He says, thank you for your podcast. It keeps me up to date with the wrestling world so I can still talk wrestling with a buddy of mine who knows his wrestling stuff like a human encyclopedia. Nice. And that's what we're all about here, folks. I mean, this is how this show started. I mean, we would be I, we would be on threads. like We would bring up a topic and someone interject, well, it's because of this and that. I mean, these dudes that I'm sitting here with are the encyclopedias. I'm the dude that just edits the podcast and knows a little bit. So Charlie, Steve, and Matt, I mean, these guys are phenomenal resources, and I'm so lucky to sit down with them each and every episode. And, uh, yeah, I am I love it. We're, we, 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 enjoy, we love it so much that we're all the way close to 100 episodes. So, yeah, we've heard a lot of great promos, but this one's going to be one of the – this is a deep cut here, folks. This is the Red Rooster promo. From 1989. Was the Red Rooster Shawn Michaels? No, it's Terry Taylor. Terry Taylor. Okay, looks kind of like Shawn Michaels from this clip here. So, yeah. So, let's listen to Terry Taylor, a.k.a. the Red Rooster from 1989. He's no longer under the wing of the weasel, and things are going his way. WrestleMania 5, even I don't know where you got the courage. You signed the match, and I can't wait till the day. All right, so everybody said you talk to win you taught the rooster to be a big star well now it's time for this student to surpass the teacher you taught me how to win you taught me how to be a star well now it's time for the student to teach you how to lose all right mac dude thanks for finding that one you must have been going through the rolodex of uh you know names that just often don't get batted around anymore and landed <laughs> on this i don't know how you found this one but i'm glad you did Definitely. so if you have a great promo and you want to submit it to us and have it played on the air, maybe Andrew, if you find something cool, you can shoot us a note at keepthekfabe414 at gmail.com. Uh, send us a link to your favorite promo or just DM us on Facebook or Instagram at keepthekfabe. And while you're there, follow us, get all the latest news of what we're up to and uh, all good things happening in the world of wrestling. So, uh, yeah, this was a very, very fun episode, and, uh, you know, a lot of things are happening this summer. I just got back from Pittsburgh. I, I introduced my son Gino to the rest of uh, the family on Kristen's side, who's 
uh, family all lives in Pittsburgh. It's just it's just great. And uh, you know, I was just thinking, wow, two years ago I was getting married, and I'm like, wow, Matt's actually getting married now. And your wedding, Matt, is coming up in you know about a month, basically. Yeah, about a month. Yeah. Did you? Uh, are you guys doing your own vows, or are you writing your vows? We are. Yeah, yeah. We're definitely doing our own vows. Uh, I believe they've been written on both sides, so nice. We're we're getting close. Well, I'm pretty sure you probably are. You have something worked in there along the lines of Becky. I promise to love and honor you for the rest of my living. Uh, days and do death to us part but I honestly I promise these three things to you that I will always be and they are stay humble stay hungry and I will always stay hard Triple H Charlie's not here (laughs) yeah keep it keep it Triple H in those wedding vows I know you will can't wait then now forever (laughs) 